0: Continuing our study of Joshua, the scripture reading today will be from Joshua chapter 9. However, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. They put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, We have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. The Israelites said to the Hivites, But perhaps you live near, so how can we make a treaty with you? We are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, Who are you and where do you come from? They answered, Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard reports of him, all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, Shion king of Heshbon, and Og king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. And our elders and all those living in our country said to us, Take provisions for your journey. Go and meet them and say to them, We are your servants, make a treaty with us. This bread of ours was warm when we packed it at home on the day we left to come to you, but now see how dry and moldy it is. And these wineskins that we filled were new, but see how cracked they are, and our clothes and sandals are worn out by the very long journey. The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. So the Israelites set out and on the third day came to their cities, Gibeon, Kephirah, Beroth, and kirir but the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders, but all the leaders answered, We have given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. This is what we will do to them. We will let them live, so that God's wrath will not fall on us for breaking the oath we swore to them. They continued, Let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers in the service of the whole assembly. So the leader's promise to them was kept. Then Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and said, Why did you deceive us by saying we live a long way from you, when actually you live near us? You are now under a curse. You will never be released from service as woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. They answered, Joshua, your servants were clearly told how the Lord your God had commanded his servant Moses to give you the whole land and to wipe out all its inhabitants from before you. So we feared for our lives because of you, and that is why we did this. We are now in your hands. Do to us whatever seems good and right to you. So Joshua saved them from the Israelites, and they did not kill them. That day he made the Gibeonites woodcutters and water carriers for the assembly to provide for the needs of the altar of the Lord at the place the Lord would choose. And that is what they are to this day. This is the word of the Lord. Good
1: Good morning. Good morning. This is the toughest day of the year to preach. It's dark. It's rainy. We all lost an hour of sleep. So would you pray with me, and let's ask God to, uh, to speak to us. Lord, even on a day like this, especially on a day like this, we need to hear your voice. So we pray that you would speak. Your word is eternal. Your grace never fails. Let us hear from you today. Amen. So i really only have one point i want to make today just one point my point is this god takes promises seriously to god a promise is a very significant thing and i i I want to talk to you about some people who discovered that to be true Uh, we are studying the Old Testament book of Joshua right now. Joshua is a, it's an account of how God brought the people of Israel into the land of Canaan. And in today's passage, we meet a group of people called the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites were from a city called Gibeon and from the towns that surrounded it. Gibeon was a little bit to the north of Jerusalem. Um, ethnically, they were members of, a, of a, a nation called the Hivites, one of the Canaanite peoples that inhabited ancient Israel. Uh, ancient Israel, and um, the, when the Israelites entered uh, Canaan, all the Canaanite kings decided to wage war against them, except for the people of Gibeon. The people of Gibeon decided that instead of waging war, they would seek a peace treaty with Israel. Now, the problem with that was that the Israelites were not supposed to make treaties with the nations of Canaan. They were allowed to make treaties with nations far away, in distant lands, but they were not supposed to make treaties with the Canaanite Nations, the Canaanites. Uh, that didn't mean they had to be destroyed. The Canaanites could repent of their sin. They could leave behind their idolatry. They could uh, join themselves to the covenant of Israel. We saw that last week in chapter eight, uh, when the Israelites gathered to worship, there were. It says there were foreigners among them that had joined themselves to the covenant. We saw that when we were in chapter 6, there was a woman named Rahab. Rahab and her entire family, they were spared from destruction. They were included in Israel because Rahab had placed her faith in the Lord. So the, the Canaanites, they could do that. They could declare their faith in Yahweh. They could join the covenant, but they were not to be given treaties. In other words, they were not allowed to, to coexist within Israel as um, distinct political entities. They they were not allowed to do that. Why? Because they were idolatrous nations and there was this fear that they would somehow influence the culture. They would lead the people of God away away from the Lord. Um, They were not allowed to have treaties. And apparently from today's passage, the Gibeonites understood this. Uh, They knew, you can infer from the passage, that treaties were only to be offered to nations from distant places. They knew that the Canaanites were to be driven from the land. Uh, they knew, verse 9 tells us, they knew about the fame of Yahweh, the Lord, what he had done in Egypt. They knew about Moses, verse 24 says, that God had spoken to him. And they knew about the destruction of, of Jericho. We read that in verse 3. I wonder if they also knew about the, the mercy that had been extended to Rahab. But the point is they knew all these things they knew they were not supposed to be given a treaty but instead of doing what rahab did instead of turning to yahweh and turning from their idols they decided to try to get a treaty anyway and the way they did this we just heard was they resorted to a ruse they decided to play a trick Uh, We read here that they selected a certain group of people from among them. It doesn't tell us how they selected them. If it were me, I probably would have held auditions, see who were the best actors in the land. Um, But they selected a group of people. They dressed them up in costumes. They outfitted them with certain props to make it look like they were just coming off a very long journey from a distant place. And they showed up before Joshua and the Israelites, and they just told them a lie. They said to them, In verse 6, it says, They went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, We have come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. Now, we're not sure why. You know how sometimes there's kind of those um, intangible signals you get from people where you just sense there's something not right here. And apparently the Israelites were picking up on this. There's something a little bit fishy about this. Where, why would they come from a distant country to see us? And so they asked them questions like, who are, who are you guys? What did you say? Where, where did you exactly come from? How do we know you're from there? And that's when, they, that's when they turned to their props. They pulled out the bread. They said, you see this bread? What are you talking about? See this bread? This bread was fresh out of the oven the day we left. And look at it. It's dry. It's crumbly. There's mold on the edges. And you see my shoes? These were brand new shoes the day I started this trip. And now look at them. They're wearing bare on the, on the soles. They're falling apart. And they showed them these things, and they tricked them. Verse 14 and 15 says, the Israelites sampled their provisions, but they didn't inquire of the Lord. That was a mistake. And it says, then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them, and he let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. So that's the Gibeonites. They got what they wanted, didn't they? They uh, they got their treaty of peace. And then they went back home. Now, when I read this, I, I kind of wonder um, how the Gibeonites felt when they went back home after that. You know, they, in one sense, they might have been happy they got the, the peace treaty. But in the other sense, they might have been kind of burdened because... Uh, they had this big secret now that they had to keep hidden. This, this, this thing that they knew about themselves that, that uh, to outward appearance wasn't, wasn't really true. Just kind of thinking to themselves, you know, we, we got the treaty, but if they ever know the truth about us, we're through. That's not a good feeling, is it? have something about you that you can't really let others know a secret you feel you need to to keep hidden i remember years ago uh, before we started this church i was pastor of a church in north jersey and there was a there was a woman in the congregation she was um she was very popular in the church, very happy, always laughing, had lots of friends. Uh, she seemed to be, you know, just really, um, life was good for her. But as her pastor, I knew that there were some really, really broken things in her life. Good woman, but just some deep, deep pain. Um, for example, her, her, she and her husband had been married for years, and, and people knew where they lived, and when they would return to, to the house together, but, but I knew that when they got home, they not just slept but they actually lived in completely different parts of the house just so much anger and brokenness they couldn't be in the same room together and they had a, a, an adult daughter a fine young woman you know but but I knew that she struggled with drugs and she was in and out of, out of trouble with the law and so this woman you know to outward appearance she looked so happy but she there was just this deep pain behind the scenes and I remember one day the phone rang in, in my kitchen, and I answered it, and, and it was her, and she was just saying, I've decided I'm going to leave the church. And I said, why? And she said, I just, I can't do it anymore. I mean, if people find out the brokenness in my life behind the scenes, I just can't. Everyone seems to have their act together in this church, and, me, and I know the truth about me. I, I don't. Anyway, I talked her into staying in the church, but I, I could understand the feeling. it just doesn't doesn't feel good to have this kind of secret that you think, like the Gibeonites, what if they find out about us? I, I don't know. it might be that maybe um, you have something in your life you just kind of fear what if I mean what if people knew how much I really drink or what if uh, what if people knew what's really going on in my family. Or, or maybe you're saying, you know, what if people knew my arrest record? Or what if people knew about my abortion? Or what if people, what, what, what if people knew how much anger, I try to hide it, but just how much anger I carry inside all the time. If, 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 you, if you have anything like that in your life that you kind of feel that way, what if people knew? I, I think you can relate to these Gibeonites. This fear, what if we're discovered? What if, what if my shame is revealed? Now, some, some people will, will, this sounds strange, but they'll even feel that way in relationship to God. What if God, what if God were to know the depth of what's inside me? You know who felt that way? At, remember Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve felt that way. They, they, they rebelled against God. They ate the fruit. They weren't supposed to. And immediately, what did they immediately do? They tried to hide Hide from whom? From the animals in the garden? No, hide from God. They made these fig leaves. They hid in the trees. Like, What if God sees us? Now, someone else that felt that way, remember Peter, uh, the Apostle Peter, when he first met Jesus, he was a fisherman, and Jesus gets in the boat, and there's this miraculous catch of fish, and he realizes in whose presence he is. And he says to Jesus in Luke 5, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Man, I don't want you to know. I don't want you to see. So I, I think that's kind of the way the Gibeonites felt. They got the treaty. They, Instead of doing what Rahab did, repenting of their sin and embracing Yahweh, they, they did this sneaky thing. They got the treaty, but they're just feeling, what if I'm discovered? Um, they knew they didn't deserve that treaty. They knew it was based on a lie anyway, what happens next in the story? Well, what happened next is what always, hap- what always happens with secrets. Sooner or later, um, they get discovered. I mean, we think we're pretty good at hiding things. I think I am, right? You think you are. But pretty soon, secrets get discovered. And that's what happened with, with the Gideonites. It says in, in uh, verse 16, three days, didn't take long, right? Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. Then verse 17 says, So the Israelites set out on the third day and came to their cities, Gibeon, Kephirah, Beeroth, and Kiriath, Jirah. Now, imagine how they felt when they saw all these strong young Jewish men with their swords marching up the hill towards their cities. They knew what happened to Jericho, right? It was wiped out. They knew what happened to Ai. It was completely destroyed. And now here are these same armies, these young young men with their swords marching towards the towns of of Gibeon. And they know we're busted. We've been discovered. The secret is out. They know who we are. We know what we deserve. We're going to get it. But that's not what happened. It says in verse 18, but the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders, but all the leaders answered, we've given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel. We can't touch them now. Now, does that strike you as weird? It strikes me as a little weird. Like, wh- why are they so hung up about this oath? Because, we, you know, we live, we live in a culture where people break promises all the time, right? I mean, just, just, just the way we do it. You know, an athlete signs a contract with a team for a certain amount of money to play, and then, and then he has a season like no one ever imagined. Like, who thought he could hit that many home runs? And, hey, we need to renegotiate that contract, you know? Well, I can't play for that little. Or, or, or people will get married and pledge their, their eternal love, and then that se- seems to end. So, our culture, we just, you know, it, we break promises. But what these ancient Hebrews understood is that when, when an oath or a vow was made in the name of the Lord, in the name of Yahweh, it could not be broken. Not, not, without, not without consequences. Like it, when, they made a, when they made an oath in the name of Yahweh, it was kind of like they were asking Yahweh to co-sign a loan for them. It's like his name was connected to the promise. It's as if he himself had made that promise. In, in fact, they, they knew Moses taught them this in Numbers chapter 30. Moses said, this is what Yahweh commands when a man makes a vow to Yahweh or takes an oath to obligate himself by a pledge, he must not break his word. He must do everything he said. So an oath or a vow made in the name of Yahweh, it was binding, and they knew this. They knew this, that even though the Gibeonites had lied, even though the Israelites had, had signed a treaty, and they didn't really understand what they were doing, even though, listen, even though all the members of Israel were angry at the leaders for kind of making this ill-advised uh, commitment, um, They knew the vow couldn't be broken, right? They knew that this oath had to be kept. They knew that Israelites were, listen, they were obligated, obligated to show mercy to Gibeon. Why? Because a promise had been made in the name of the Lord. And God, this is my main point, God takes promises seriously. In fact, if you've read in your Bibles, about, about 300 years after this time, um, there was an evil king in Israel named Saul. Saul decided to break the treaty with the Gibeonites. Like, I'm tired of this treaty. And so he started to oppress them and pick on them. And you know what God did? God, God punished Israel. He brought a drought. He brought, he brought a famine on the land. Like, you until they repented and started being nice to the Gibeonites again. Like, you cannot break this treaty, said God. You, God, again, my point... God takes promises seriously. Now, I don't know if you realize it. That's the best news you're going to hear all day. God takes promises seriously. You say, why is that good news? Because believer in Christ, listen, God has made promises to you, amazing promises that God made to you. If, if you if you've come to faith in Christ, have you trusted Christ as your Savior? If you've done that, listen to me. Here, here's some of the promises God made. Colossians one verse fourteen. God has promised, promised forgiveness of sins to all who trust in His Son. Ephesians 1 verse 13, God has promised to give the Holy Spirit to everyone who has faith in Jesus. Uh, John 16 verse 23, God has, isn't this good? God has promised to answer the prayers that we lift up to him in the name of Jesus. He's promised to do that. Titus 1 verse 2, God has promised eternal life to anyone who embraces the gospel. Philippians 1, verse 6. How do you like this one? God has promised that if he began a good work in your life, has he? He will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So listen, God has made promises to you. And he takes those very seriously. Right? So this is kind of the good news that the Gibeonites, this is the gospel according to Gibeon, all right? If even... Pagan, idolatrous, deceptive people who tricked their way into a treaty under false pretenses, if even they are shown mercy because a promise was made to them in the name of the Lord. Listen, listen to me. How much more do you think God will pour out mercy on you? Hmm? Based on promises he knowingly made, he willingly made, he joyfully made to you in Jesus Christ. God takes these promises seriously. If if, if he wouldn't let Israel break their treaty, listen to me, do you you think God's going to break his treaty to you? You say, but maybe he'll discover this thing about me that I don't want people to know. Listen, he knows already, right? He knows everything already. He knew, it before, he knew it before you came to Jesus. He, he, he knew all about you from all eternity, and he chose you. He, he signed this treaty with you knowing, you know, both eyes open, knowing full well what he was getting into, and he meant what he said when he said, you're mine in Christ. No, it, it says, again, verse 19 and 20, all the leaders answered the people, we, we've given our oath, we Gave an oath by the Lord, the God of Israel. We can't touch the Gibeonites now. This is this is what we'll do. We'll let them live, so God's wrath will not fall on us. Bra- breaking the oath we swore to them, and it, this kind of intrigues me. If, if, uh, if oaths that people make in the name of the Lord can't be broken, what well, what what about an oath that God Himself makes in His own name to you? It will never be broken, and that's. What he did for you in Christ. No matter what kind of secrets you might have in your life, no matter what what kind of weaknesses or frailties you still struggle with, no no matter what kind of truths about yourself you think you need to hide from others, listen to me. Believer, God will never break his promise to you. Amen. Hebrews uh, 6, verse 17 and 18 says this because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear. To the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. Now, now just to finish, you know, we read that the, the Gibeonites, they were told, All right, guys, here's the deal. We're not gonna kill you, but you have to you have to chop wood, right? And you gotta carry water. For the altar, for the house of the Lord, and um, it doesn't really say. But I, I, I wonder how these Gibeonites, uh, what kind of attitude they had about that assignment. Oh, we gotta chop wood. This stinks. We gotta carry water for the Lord. Hate this. No, I somehow I don't. I can't even imagine they had that attitude. Don't you think? I, I bet their attitude was like, "You kidding? We get to serve this God?" We, we get to chop wood for him. We get to carry God for this, water for this Lord, this, this Lord who's been so gracious to us. Well, I mean, we tried to trick his people, and yet he's given us mercy. He, he, this is a God who, who keeps his promises. Amen. Even when we don't, we serve him joyfully. The reason I think that is because late, later in, in Israeli, uh, Israelite history, Solomon becomes king, and uh, when he becomes king, he wants to have a worship service to end all worship services. I mean, he wants, he wants to blow it away. So he gathers, I forget how many thousands of bulls and how many thousands of sheep, and he says, we're going to have one, we're going to worship, we're going to sacrifice all of these. Where in the world would you find people so eager to chop wood to sacrifice that many I mean, who wants to do that? It's it's no surprise. You know where where Solomon went? To worship God that joyfully. He went to Gibeon. To to these people who with just this enthusiastic joy. And we serve the Lord. And so, so, believer in Christ, I would just encourage you. I think God wants you to have that attitude when you serve him. Like, chop wood for God. Sign me up. Carry water for the Lord? Yes. Can I please? Why? Why? Because just like the Gibeonites, we, we are people who really don't deserve peace with God. But he signed that treaty in Jesus. You know what? He will never break it. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you will give us deep confidence in the promises you've made for us. That we, that we will just know that you'll never, ever back out on the relationship you've made with us in Christ. And for anyone here who's not yet entered that kind of relationship, I, I pray that hearing about your promises would entice them to want to come to Jesus. And I pray that this knowledge of your faithfulness would produce joyful service within us for the glory of your name Amen